Yesterday, we got some mixed news about the case of Andrew Brown, who was shot and killed by police in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Today, I'll unpack and explain that news, kind of the good and bad and progress of it all. And I also have some really good news about my dear friend and brother Gary Chambers. Let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. Yesterday in North Carolina, something, I don't mean to say surprising, but I guess it did surprise me in a way. Something surprising happened. Yesterday, a judge in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, ruled that police don't have to release the videos, the body camera footage and security uh, cameras showing exactly what they did in the shooting death of Andrew Brown. And it normally doesn't happen like that. And, And it's one of those things that I had to remind myself that North Carolina is still the South, <laughs> that, uh, you know, Trump is amazingly popular in North Carolina and that Elizabeth City is not Charlotte. And that's no knock on the people who are fighting for Andrew Brown. But uh, sometimes when you get outside of the big cities in a place like North Carolina or even Georgia, you have good old boys running these cities and including uh, the district attorney's offices and, and, the, and the judicial benches of these cities and counties. And so we're now almost 10 days out of when police horribly shot and killed Andrew Brown there in Elizabeth City, and they refused to release the body camera footage. And, you know, I addressed this yesterday. You know, they come up with all types of bogus excuses. It's all BS. They just don't want to release it because they know how the public will respond. And... The governor and the North Car- and the attorney general of North Carolina, to me, are not doing enough. I heard the attorney general yesterday on CNN. Like, for instance, he said he hasn't even seen the footage. Well, why not? Why have you not gone there to see it? Why have you not said, send it to me so I can look at it and examine it? You're the attorney. You're the top law enforcement official in the state. And so it's easy sometimes to blame all of this on conservatives, but in a place like North Carolina where Democrats are getting power, are the attorney general, are, you know, you know, carry the governorship, uh, have power even in the legislature. It's like, okay, do something with the power that you have here. And um, so the judge said, no, it won't be released. But the judge did say that he will allow a redacted version And that could mean so much, basically blurring out the faces of the police officers. He will allow a redacted version to be shown to the family and possibly to their attorney. And so that is, in some ways, three or four steps back and one step forward, but it's better than nothing. Now... What I know is any justice, any accountability that we ever get in these cases is justice and accountability that we fight for. Um, I did want to take a moment to 
uh, acknowledge victory on our part. We fought hard at grassroots law for the three men who murdered Ahmaud Arbery to be held accountable, even with federal hate crime charges. And they were thankfully charged yesterday um, from the federal government, not only with hate crimes charges, but also kidnapping charges and more. And so we got that because we fought for a year for it. Not, not for a week, not for a month. We literally have fought for nearly an entire year to make sure the federal government held those men accountable. Yes, they were charged locally with murder charges, and, and we believe they'll be held accountable to that. These new federal hate crimes charges in some ways serve as a, um, a safety measure to make sure that these men are fully held accountable no matter what. But I, I want to also shout out my friend and brother Lee Merritt. Nobody has fought harder alongside Ahmad's mother, Wanda, to make sure that these men are held accountable, including Lee did the impossible thing that nobody would ever want to do. Uh, Lee met with uh, the DOJ officials when they were a part of the Trump administration. Uh, like these hate crime charges that were just filed, like these things were in progress, uh, in process rather, you know, even during the Trump administration. And Lee had to do what none of us ever want to do, uh, which is literally meet with Trump and Trump officials. And uh, Lee met with the attorney general and others who said, hey, we will follow up on this. Now, obviously, the Trump administration themselves did not follow up. Uh, the Biden DOJ did, and our team met with the Biden DOJ. We met with the transition team. We met with multiple people who are now members of the Biden administration. And one of the things that we asked them to do was to file these federal hate crimes charges. So it's progress. You know, everything is not pain. Everything is not trauma. And I wanted to end today's episode with some really good news. First, I want to play an announcement from my main man, Gary Chambers, all right? Let me play the announcement, then I'll come back to talk about it. Today's another big announcement. I have decided to start a 501c4 called Bigger Than Me. What this campaign that we just ran for Congress showed me is that there is a real energy for a progressive movement in the Deep South. If America is going to ever become a more progressive and inclusive country, we cannot ignore the bottom of the map. Louisiana ranks 50, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and other Southern states have similar rankings. And if we are going to change the trajectory for the people who live in these communities, we have to organize, strategize, and mobilize on the next level. So I want to take the energy from our campaign and turn that into a consistent, organized effort to create change in the Deep South. In every season of our lives, we have experiences that ask us to come to the next level, to step our game up, to do a little bit more. After losing this election, I recognize that this moment was much bigger than me. 
while I could have gone home and went on vacation and done a bunch of other things, what I decided to do was figure out how do we expand the work that we've started, make sure that we don't lose the momentum in these communities so that change can happen for the future generations. And I'm asking you to keep pushing with me because this is bigger than all of us and there's work to do. Go to biggerthanme.com and find out how you can get plugged in and donate. Let's go to work, y'all. You know, Gary calls himself a joyful warrior, and it's one of my favorite things because he's out fighting for justice, and Gary and I have been fighting against police brutality and racial injustice and mass incarceration together. I couldn't believe when I started doing the math, I mean, for almost 10 years now. And um, it's hard work. It's serious work. It's fierce, courageous work. And Gary does all of that with seriousness and a ferocity, and I love that. But he also smiles. He also laughs. He also dances. And, And in a lot of ways, that's the quintessential Black experience. Everything about being Black in this country is not traumatic. Everything about being Black in this country is not painful. And in fact, out of the 24 hours of a day, most of it is not spent with pain and trauma and misery. That's just not the Black experience. It isn't. It never has been. Now, this country does require us to toggle back and forth between trauma and joy, between pain and laughter, between, um, between you know, misery and beauty. And so it requires us in some ways to ping pong back and forth between those things. But I am super proud of Gary, who uh, narrowly missed the runoff in his congressional race because he is starting a brand new organization called Bigger Than Me. And the goal there is to begin doing the hard work in the Deep South, in Louisiana, in Mississippi, in Alabama, in Tennessee, um, in Georgia, throughout the Deep South, but particularly in the places that are woefully neglected, that have almost a black majority of residents. No state in the country has a higher percentage of black people than Mississippi. Nearly 40% of all people in the state. Louisiana is right there behind them. But the political infrastructure, and the, in particular the progressive political infrastructure, to elect progressive people to city council, to county commissions, to mayoral positions, to congressional races, but in particular to statewide elected office, to governorships, to attorney general positions, to secretary of state roles, to Senate seats. Like, the infrastructure just isn't there. So what we've seen in the past two election cycles, for instance, in Mississippi, is a great candidate run for Senate Two times, Mike Espy, who has a stellar reputation, ran to defeat a horrible, horrible conservative in Mississippi, but lost both times, not because he wasn't brilliant, but in great part because a lot of the work that has to happen, even on the national level, to give Mississippi the attention it deserves, to give Louisiana the attention it deserves to give Tennessee the attention it deserves. It's just not happening. And consequently, when you look at who are the senators in those states, who are the governors, who runs the state legislatures, when you look at these things, you realize like, yeah, 
there's a lot of organizing that has to happen. And uh, Gary came up against that, you know, head on, uh, you know, the hard way, understanding like, oh, even when Gary would ask national progressive groups or national progressive leaders like, hey, can you weigh in on this race? They really wouldn't even get involved. And it's like, listen, we have to build a better infrastructure for ourselves in the Deep South. And I'm excited that Gary and his new organization, Bigger Than Me, is going to be doing that work. Listen, I'm still, still recovering from this damn wisdom tooth that I got pulled on Monday. It didn't hurt much on Monday, but it has hurt like hell over these past few days. I'm hoping that it's getting better. Today, unfortunately, I have a day of meetings, but uh, I'm going to be all right. All right. Love and appreciate you all. And again, if you're not yet a member at the Northstar.com, please, please, please join today. Take care, everybody. Break it down. This is Ray King, COO of the North Star and co-host of the podcast, Woke at Work. We've heard from so many of you about how much Woke at Work has meant to you and how much you're looking forward to new episodes. Well, season two is available for you to listen to on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And new this season, we have video episodes available exclusively to our members at the North Star. Want to get each episode a week early and actually watch our guest interviews? Head over to www.thenorthstar.com today to become a member for as little as $10 a month. Thank you so much for your support of Black-owned, women-led media.